0: So I'm the youngest of six kids. I got uh, four sisters, one brother. We're all very close in age, six kids in eight years. And growing up, when I was young, My mom actually went to college later in life. Like, my mom was a hard worker. She raised, pretty much raised us on her own. My father passed away when I was young. And so my mom really raised six kids on her own. She worked two jobs. But in her late 30s, she made a a big decision, especially back then, it wasn't normal, to go to college and become a, a registered nurse. So, and I don't know if it's... At college where she heard this news, or if it was something she read, maybe a textbook that she was reading. But she'd, she'd heard about the advantages of fish oil. Now, today we, we know the advantages. We know that it's good for you in all different kinds of capacities. But back then, it wasn't as widely known. So she'd heard that. So she ran out and she got a, uh, I, me- I remember it, it was a canister, like an aluminum canister of cod liver oil. Now, that's exactly what I just said. It, it is like oil that is like, comes from the liver of a fish. So, she, she got this canister of this cod liver oil, and she brought it home, and I'll never forget the day. I, I've never even talked to my siblings about it. It's, there's trauma behind this, but my mom called me down to our pantry area in our little house, and it, I, I just remember details like the light. The light bulb had one of those strings, you know, you pull the string, remember that, and the light comes on. So, she, she turned the light on, and, and she had this canister of this cod liver oil in her hands, and I remember her taking the spoon and and pouring this thick substance into this teaspoon. And she gives it to me. And she you know, she's kind of saying, "No, oh, this is good for you. you know, I'm like, okay, Mom, I trust what you're doing. So she gives me this, this spoon. And I take it. And I put it in my mouth. And I gulp it. And, and at that moment, I realized that my mom was actually trying to kill me. Okay? So, anyway, you guys, I want you to think about. Think about the worst thing you've ever ate. I mean, the worst or th- that you've ever drank. Think about it. If you're watching online, type it, put it in the comments. What is the worst thing you've ever had? Okay, now I want you to forget about that because that wasn't near as bad as cod liver oil. It is, it is I can't, just, I think you understand from the way I'm articulating, it was so bad. Like, but, but my mom was giving it to us or wanted us to take it because she's saying it was so good. It leads me to the message for today. We're in a series called The Formula, say formula, yeah, The the Formula for Life Change. Most of the ingredients you're hearing about in this series, you're going to be like, oh yeah, that'd be good. Like, we talked about God's word, you're like, oh yeah, God's word probably is good to know that. That's good. Last week, accountability. Yeah, I should have people holding me accountable in my life. That's good. But this week, it's different. This week, it's going to be something that, the ingredient is going to be something that you're going to want to, like me, run from. It's like the cod liver oil of the ingredients that we're talking about. And, but the reason I can tell you, like my mom was trying to tell me that it's good for you, is because as I look at people who their life is substantially changed for the better, as I study people in the Word of God, they had a large dose of this ingredient, of this Cod liver oil. I mean, Abraham had it. Noah drank it. Noah drank other things too if you read the word of God. But Noah drank it. Moses had it. Elijah had it. The Israelites had it. King David took it. I mean, the early church wouldn't have got where they got without this ingredient. Peter had it. Paul had it. Jesus took in the oil more than anybody else. So again, I've just set in the preface, you're going to be tempted in this message to, to, like I wanted to do for my mom that day in the pantry, you're going to be tempted to run the other way. But I want to encourage you not to run the other way. I actually want to encourage you to step into it, to embrace it. And you might be thinking, to embrace what specifically? I want to encourage you to embrace and step into not your comfort zone, but your discomfort zone. See, what I need you to know is, is the, uh, one of the main ingredients for you to really experience the life change that you're, that you're yearning for is discomfort. You, you have to have it. Like, even, even the miracles that we see in the Word of God, every miracle I think that Jesus did, almost every miracle that we see Jesus do or he does through the church is done out of discomfort, It is birthed from discomfort. I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm going to preach to you today out of the New Testament um, the Gospel of Luke. So Luke is one of the, the men that, that wrote down the story of Jesus' life as he heard it. So Luke, uh, this is chapter 8, and I love when you bring your Bibles. I love when you open your devices. This is the love, God's love letter to you. So Luke 8 is where we begin. The two characters in the story, I'll just give it to you. I'll just tell you up front. The reason that they're going to Jesus, the reason they're, 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 they're compelled to want a miracle is the incredible discomfort that they, they're, they're facing. They're finally doing something about it. Luke chapter 8, verse 41. Let's lean into the word of God. A man named Jairus was the leader of a local synagogue. He came and fell at Jesus' feet one day, pleading with Jesus to come home with him. Why? I'll tell you why. His only daughter who was about 12 years old, was dying. That'll, that, that'll bring some discomfort into a life. As Jesus went with Jairus, he's surrounded by the crowds. Like They're pressing in. They've seen Jesus do crazy things. They've heard Jesus say crazy things. And as he's pressing in with Jairus to go help, a woman, another character, enters the story. A woman in the crowd, she's suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could, not, she could find no cure. In fact, the Gospel of Mark says she spent all the money she had trying to find one. Coming up behind Jesus, she touches the fringe of his robe, not even Jesus, but his clothing, and immediately the discomfort stops. Immediately the bleeding stops. Who touched me, Jesus said, feeling something happening. Everyone denied it. Peter's like, Master, we, we have no idea. This whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, no, 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 someone like deliberately touched me. For I felt healing power like leave me, go out of me. When the woman realized that she couldn't be hidden, like she's trying to like hide from all this, she began to tremble. Now she's got a level of discomfort again because Jesus is calling her out. She falls to her knees in front of Jesus. And in front of the whole crowd, she explains why she touched him and that she had been immediately gone from discomfort to comfort. She immediately went from sick to healed. Jesus hears her give the explanation, and he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. But that's not the end of the story. What about Jairus and his daughter? I'm glad you asked. While speaking to the woman, a messenger arrived from Jairus's home. The messenger said, you know what? We don't need to worry about what we're doing anymore. Your daughter's actually not sick. She's dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. There's no use getting Jesus involved now. So now the story's just gone from from uncomfortable to incomprehensible. Your daughter is not sick. She's dead. Jesus leans in. He hears what has happened, and he says to Jairus, the dad, no, 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 don't be afraid. Just have faith. Say faith. faith. Faith's a big deal. And she will be healed. When they arrived at his home, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go with him except his purpose group. That would have been uh, the inner three, Peter, James, and John. He invites them in with him, and they go in. So when they arrive, they see that a lot of people, there's a big commotion going on. He brings in the little girl's mom and dad along with Peter, James, and John. And the house is filled with people weeping and wailing and crying, mourning. And Jesus says, stop. Stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's just sleeping. And they're like, yeah, no, Jesus. In fact, they laughed at him. It says right in the word of God. They laughed at Jesus because they all knew. Like, she's dead. We've, we, we know the difference, Jesus. But Jesus took her by the hand, the little 12-year-old girl, and he said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And the word of God says at that moment, her life returned. And she immediately stands up. So where where are we at with the story? We see a man named Jairus, and he's for twelve years he's been blessed with a daughter that's been healthy, and now he's on the verge of losing her. That level of discomfort compels him to reach out. We see a woman sick for twelve years. She is, I mean, there is a level of discouragement and desperation. But, but, oh, but check this out. It was actually that, that, that discouragement and the desperation that led to the discomfort that would ultimately lead to her deliverance. It's not, see, sometimes, sometimes God's greatest burdens come from our greatest blessings. It's, God is so, what he wants to do in our discomfort, and some people just stay in it. The woman didn't stay in it. Eventually, for, after 12 years, she breaks out. Eventually, it's enough for the man to reach out. 12 years. The change that you desperately want that you don't have is not in your comfort zone. It's outside of it. I promise you. The change that you desperately want in your family, in yourself, in that marriage, in your job, with the finance, you won't find it in comfort. You'll find it outside of comfort. We see it all over the world. In fact, if you were with us two weeks ago when we started the series on week one, we, I shared a stat with you that's staggering. Do you remember what it was? It was the fact that nine out of 10 people, when given a choice, either change a behavior, either change a lifestyle, or you're going to die, could, didn't change the lifestyle, couldn't change the lifestyle. Nine out of 10 chose to die instead of change. We hear that and we're like you're kidding me that's nuts why would you do that? But that's human nature. That's not that's not some anomaly. That's that's the that's been going on for thousands of years. But the Israelites, now let's go Old Testament for a second. The Israelites, they were in slavery. The Jewish nation was in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. Slaves doing whatever the Egyptians said. I mean it was it was it was hell for them. Moses leads them out of slavery. They're out, not that, not that long, from the old slavery into a new season, a new territory, and they're complaining to Moses. They're basically saying, Moses, you're a jerk. We, we, we want to go back. You want to go back to, to slavery. You would have done anything to get out of it, now you want to go back to it? They did. And I'll tell you why. It's what they knew. See, the old, oh boy, the old is familiar. Familiar is comfortable. But just because it's comfortable doesn't make it right. How many of you, and I should see some hands go up, you have, you you got something old, maybe it's a a shirt, maybe it's jeans, you've had them for like two decades, but you won't get rid of it because they're just so comfortable. Come on, show a hand. Yeah, yeah, the hoodie, that hoodie you won't throw away, I mean the holes all over the sleeves, but you're like, oh, but it's my hoodie. You know, the t-shirt. That concert t-shirt that you got at the Ace of Bass concert 29 years ago. I saw the sign. I saw the sign, too. It said, throw your shirt away. Okay? I mean, come on. You, you, we won't let it go. Guys, we're guilty as anybody. I mean, what we call underwear, other people would call a rag with a waistband around it. So, I mean, we're not much better. Jody held up my underwear one time. Oh, honey, we should get rid of these. I'm like, Jody, don't you dare. Those are just getting broke in. They got a good eight, nine years. I, I mean, Seriously. Don't be throwing those away. So, but, but, but the familiar becomes comfortable. But comfort has never drove anybody to action that I know of. I mean, <laughs> in order to experience the life change that you want, Israelites, anybody, you have to eventually move from what's old and familiar into something new. And to move from something old to something new requires you to actually make progress. Say Progress. And comfort is the enemy of progress, I promise you. On the flip side, discomfort, that's a catalyst for change. Comfort is the enemy of progress all day long. That woman, I keep thinking about that woman who was sick. I mean, eventually, took her 12 years, that's a long time. But eventually, she got so uncomfortable, she had to make progress. And it was painful, but she did it. As a church, we get prayer requests all the time, and that's a good thing, and we want you to write them down. We want you praying with the prayer team. In fact, you shouldn't leave here until somebody prays with you and for you. I'm just telling you that, but here's what one of the number one things we're going to hear, and I prayed for the same thing, so I'm not calling anybody out, but one of the number one things that's natural for us to pray for is is comfort, right? I mean, and and there are times to pray for that in loss, in grief. Of course, we're going to pray for that, but a lot of times, we'll just pray for comfort, like, in our lives. God, make my path easy. God, make my path straight. God, uh, you know, do do what you can to take the obstacles out of the way. But my question is, what if we start praying the opposite? What if instead of praying for comfort, we start praying for God to disrupt some things? God, start making some things uncomfortable. Now, listen, listen, I like comfort. I I like, I like comfort like anybody. In fact, I, I, a few weeks ago, I bought a brand new pillow and, uh, Listen, you know you're getting old when buying a new pillow excites you. Like, I was excited. Like, I ordered it, and I was, like, looking out the window like a dog, waiting for the Amazon guy. I'm like, come on, today's the day. I couldn't wait, but it was one of those, those memory fo- shredded memory foam, and I couldn't wait to get it, and it was supposed to be a cooling pillow. That was a complete lie. I, I've never been hotter in my life, sleeping. At least that's what Jody says. Honey, you've been a never, never been hotter. Anyway, so, okay, that's my story. So, uh, but it was not, but, but here's what I know about my, my, my new pillow, I've never, I, I've never been laying in bed with laying on my new pillow with the sheets up to my chin. That's never led me to make bold statements about change. I've never been laying in bed and thought to myself, today's the day I'm going to cure world hunger. You know, No, today's the day I'm going to hit snooze six more times. You know, I just Comfort doesn't lead to change normally. But discomfort, I've heard a lot of stories about discomfort moving people to move. I'll say it a different way. Discomfort can be painful. Pain will move you to move. What moved the, the Jairus to move? Pain. What moved the woman to move? Pain. Ask, ask anybody in the, bleeding out in the ER why they came. It, what, they didn't go to the ER because they wanted to know their weight. Okay? That would just bring more discomfort to us. We don't want to know that. We're at the ER because, because there's pain. There's something about pain, there's something about discomfort that, that refines us. There's something about that pain that, that, that almost strengthens us. It's crazy. I, uh, oh, I'll come back to that in a second. Let me, let me get back to my notes here. I can get off track a little bit. Um, the Israelites, you know, they were in a lot of pain when they were under the thumb of Egypt. Egypt. Remember what I said, Moses led them out, and then they're complaining they want to go back to the old, back to the comfortable. And uh, but Moses, Moses almost never even got him out in the first place. In fact, if Moses would have had his way, he would have never went and got him. You can read that story in Exodus. I don't have time to go through it, but I'll I'll give you a synopsis. God says Moses, go go get the people out of slavery. And Moses is like, I ain't I ain't the guy. No. And gives excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. And finally, Moses gets to the real, he finally gets real honest with God. He's like, I don't want to do it. Go find someone else. Why would Moses say that to God? Moses is comfortable. It's pretty good for Moses right now. He's been a shepherd now for like 40 years. It's comfortable when you've been in the job for a long time, when you've been in the season for a long time. It might not be perfect, it might just be a paycheck, but I'm comfortable. And Moses is like, I, I like it here. You know, I work by myself. No one's bothering me. I know my sheep. That, that one's Jim. There's Bob. That's Harry. He's a rascal. He gets in the garden, but I love him, you know? So Moses knows the sheep. And God's calling him out, and he's like, I don't. At the end of the day, Moses says, I don't, I don't want to get uncomfortable. Like, I, I like it here. And God's doing whatever he can to compel Moses to leave. Why doesn't Moses want to do it? Because he would rather do what's easy rather than what's right. And if we're honest, we want the same thing. I know I do. I've said that before. The greatest temptation for a follower of Jesus is to do what's easy. It is the greatest temptation. I want what's easy rather than what's right. I like my little circle. I like my comfort zone. I like my family. I'm going to stick with them. We'll do our vacations and we'll just live our little life. And, you know, no one's going to upset us. No one's going to disrupt us. I like my little, I like my little circle of friends. And that's where I want it. That's where I want to keep it. I like my group where it's at. I don't want anybody else coming in to ruin it. I like my little, my little work circle. You know, this comfort, these comfort zones that we get in. But I gotta believe something. I gotta believe that the purpose for your life and for my life is deeper than having a nice job. It, like deeper than raising a decent family and living a safe, comfortable, complacent life. God has said, I have called you out to walk by faith. Faith means trust. Trusting in God is not comfortable because trusting in God means God has to show up. Where does God have to show up in your life? Where? Where are you so discomfortable and desperate that God has to show up? Now, now, let's be honest. We live in America. We've got a lot of things that are good when it comes to worldly things. Where does God have to show up in my life? I said it earlier. I didn't say it this way, but I said pain will move you to move. It did in the story that we, that we read together today. Many times purpose, say purpose. Purpose. Mm -hmm. Type purpose in the comments if you're watching online. Purpose many times is birthed out of pain. Think about your story. Think about your past. Think about what you've been through. Think about what's been done to you or what you've done to others. Your experiences, even from a young age. And now you have this burden and now you have this, this weight that you have. See, purpose, why do you think there are, why do you think there are recovery groups? They were birthed out of pain. Why do we have a marriage life group for marriages Well, that marriage was, or that group was birthed out of pain? Why are there cancer support groups that was birthed out of pain? Why are there Alzheimer's, 5K walks that was birthed out of pain? They're all birthed out of pain. That's where purpose comes from a lot. It's funny, last week I get done preaching at the 11 o'clock, and I'm talking to someone, and I honestly, I'm terrible. i mean, you do, don't do drugs, kids. You will lose your memory. I don't know who I was talking to, but I remember them specifically saying um, they've been clean for three years. And I was like, praise God, that's awesome. And, and the person asked me, they said, if you could go back and change your story and not go through all the drug addiction, because that's what, that's what I put myself through, um, they said, would you change it? And, and listen, I know the, the, I know the Christian answer. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing because I'm who I'm in today because of what happened. And that is, there is, obviously, that's true. But there, I told him, I said, there, are, there is something I would change. I would change the amount of time it took to, 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 to step out of the misery. I would change, I, I wish it wouldn't have took me so many years. I mean, we're talking a miserable situation. But, but, but understand something, and this isn't just for an addict. This is for you. And you'll know this, most people, many people will choose to be miserable over being uncomfortable. Okay, I'm going to say it again. I, and many of you could probably agree that we would choose to be miserable in what we know instead of uncomfortable in what we don't. It it is so crazy. That's where I I was. I was, I'd rather hang out with the demons I know instead of like hang out with angels that I don't. Think of the insanity there. That, that's where I was. I mean, I hate addiction. I hate what it's done. I hate what it did to me. I hate what it did to my family, my friends. I hate everything about it, but I do know something. The discomfort that came from the addiction, I mean, it caused me to move. The discomfort, I, I wrote it down. I said, it, if it wasn't for the discomfort it caused, I don't know that I'd have my wife today. I don't know that I had my family today. I don't know that I would have a relationship with Jesus today or that I would be a pastor today or that this church would even exist today. So I don't praise God for the pain, but we do praise God for what the pain is going to produce in our lives. I'm telling you, God is calling you out of comfort into calling. That's where he's calling you. You're going to experience discomfort. Some of you, you need to actually seek it in, in areas where you're too comfortable. Others, you're in it, and God's wanting you to move in it, through it to him, like Jairus did, like the woman did. It's so crazy. This, in fact, talking about ideas or ministries or causes birthed out of pain, your salvation, if you're saved, that was birthed out of pain. The redemption story of Jesus coming to earth as a human. That whole idea, that was birthed out of pain. It was painful for the Lord to know that we would separate ourselves from him. It's painful for the Lord to think about that we would would make decisions that go against his will and that that he would have to think about the the possibility of losing us forever. of, Of being separated from us his 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 love his who he created in his image that brought the father great pain so much so that he would send jesus if your next step and you have one and so do i if your next step is easy if your next step doesn't like stretch you if your next step doesn't like cause a little bit of tension in you, get you uh, a little disrupted in your life, if it doesn't do that, it's probably not your next step. What is your next step? What's God calling you to do? I love this, I love preaching this right here. This This is like, this is my wheelhouse, is when we talk about what is God doing in us? I love the word of God. I love the motivation it brings. I love the encouragement. But I also, I don't love it, but I I embrace the discomfort because this isn't happening without it. So what's God calling you to do in your life? Like, we we had people last week, and we should celebrate something. Last week, we had three people fill out dream team cards to start serving in the church. Give God praise. We didn't even preach on it, but three more people. That's not comfortable. Now that's going to take me time. And now I've got to attend a service and serve a service. And that's my whole, that's uncomfortable. But I love it. Talk about stepping into something that will, uh, uh, you know, disrupt your little schedule. And that excites me. What is your next step? we got people stepping into generosity, giving, whether it's through the church or other arenas in the community. That's uncomfortable. I shared my story earlier. I didn't, I never want to give. I don't want to give. I want to keep it. I'm selfish by nature. I still am. But there's something about allowing the discomfort to say, you know what, I've never given before. I'm going to take a step of faith. God says, do it, I'm going to do it. Groups, the big focus right now, I'm, I'm not trying to hide it from you. My goal is that you would be part of a group. Not, not to add more to your schedule, but to add more life into you. That's what I want for you. The, well, that's not comfortable. I know it's not. It's gonna, you, you got to take an hour out of the week and make it happen, hour and a half, whatever it is. But I'm telling you, I'm begging. That's why we talk about the life groups and the purpose groups. And, and if you're new, the purpose groups are they're intense. They're like four people doing life together for a year. They start September 1st. They're a closed group, reading the Word of God daily. I mean, it's, it's intense. Life groups, that's like Jesus and the 12, right? That you, you can get in and out of those at any time. They're still in the Word of God. Still got some accountability. Still got relationships. But they're different, and that's why there's booklets online. Uh, there's booklets out in the Welcome Center that tell you the difference, so you can pray and discern. But both one, will, will probably cause some discomfort because you've never done it before, and then you're going to do it. And remember, you're 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 used to the old, you're used to the familiar. But until you step into the new, until you make progress, your life will not change. So that's why that's why we focus on. Oh, by the way, this is exciting. Celebrate recovery. We're a church of recovery. I mean, I was a drug addict. I'm, we're always, that's gonna, recovery is our heart, but recovery isn't just al- alcohol or drugs. I mean, I'm convinced you all need it. I've seen you drive your car. You need, you need driver recovery. I, I, it's terrible. So, uh, but, but recovery is for anybody with a hurt, habit, or hang-up. Does that describe you, any of those? If it does, you should lean in to celebrate recovery at some point. We're going to start that back up again. I can't wait. It's, it's probably about two months away, but you can sign up today to say, I got questions. I'm interested. Uh, I want to take this step. It's out there. Celebrate recovery. Step away from these hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I, that is such a dear ministry. M- marriage life group. Your marriage. If you're married, you got problems. I already know that because you're married. Okay? So, it, just, let's just be honest. So, that that's out there for you. What is your next step? You have a choice. You have a choice. Just like the woman who was bleeding. You have a choice. It took her 12 years. She stayed miserable a long time, but remember, she'd rather be miserable than uncomfortable. That's where I lived, and that's where some of you are living. And and I'm glad that you're here. I'm so grateful that you're watching. But that woman Think about that day by the way. So she Jesus the crowds were pressing in. Remember what Peter said? We have no idea, master. I mean, there's thousands of people. We don't know who touched you. Think about all the people. And one woman, I where did I write it? It was God just put it on my mind. I got to find it. Da, 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 da. The sick woman. Yeah. All the people listening that day to Jesus, all the people watching Jesus that day. All the people in the crowd. See, you could be part of a crowd and never see any blessings. You could be part of a church and never see blessings. Sitting in, in a church is, I mean, I'm glad you're here and taking it in, but you could do that all your life and never be blessed in it. Did you know that? Thousands of people that day with Jesus, but the woman, her, her, her tenacity all those people, it would be virtually impossible to even get close to him. But one woman claws and fights and pushes and scratches her way to the, to the clothing, to the, to, the, to the hem of Jesus' robe and touches him. Why? Because she's desperate and she's got discomfort all over her. And it leads her to him. That was her choice. You have a choice today. She had a choice. Do it or just stay where you're at. She chose Jesus. Did it change your life? I think you know it did. See, Jesus didn't die on a cross for us to stay comfortable. He didn't. Jesus didn't die on a cross for us to be comfortable, complacent, and live some safe, happy life. Jesus died on a cross to change you so that you might have a growing, abundant life. And I came to tell you, growth and comfort cannot coexist. They can't. Jesus wants to do something. So excited about this message. Now listen, back to the comfort zone. It's a nice place. My pillow's a nice place. The the, the recliner's a nice place. The work schedule where it's at, I'm used to it. It's a nice place. The comfort zone is a nice place, but nothing ever grows there. Nothing ever grows in your comfort zone let me say it a different way. If it doesn't challenge you, it will not change you. If it does not challenge you, it won't change you. I'm not quite closing yet, but I'm compelled right now to pray for you, to pray over you. I just, the presence of the Holy Spirit is moving. And so just be, bear with me for a minute, clo- maybe close your eyes, whatever you need to do. But, but, but God is calling us to something bigger. And when he calls us into discomfort, into, into the pantry, and he's got the cod liver oil, and he's got, the, he's got the teaspoon, it can get tense. And in our nature, and in, in who we are, like Moses, like, like the Israelites, like me, with my mom that day, we are compelled to run from it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying over us right now, all of us. I pray, God, I'll pray in the first person, but I'm, I hope everybody owns it as I pray, God, break me. Of my, break me of my fear of stepping into something new. Break me of my inconsistency of starting but not finishing. Break, break me of greed, of pride, of comfort and complacency. Lord, if we are honest before you right now, eyes closed, heads bowed, God, if we're honest, our life looks pretty good on the outside in most places, but we ache on the inside. There are places and burdens and bents that have us down, broken, and dead. God, we, we repent for not maybe leaning into the discomfort of using our spiritual gifts, of, of not taking steps when we know we should. God, we don't want religion. We want a relationship with you. We want you and to truly embrace you, we've got to go through some things. We've got to pursue some things. The woman had to pursue discomfort and pain and, and a crowd and fight to get to you. But when she got to you, you radically changed her. Father in the name of Jesus, do it today, in your house, through your people. In Jesus' name, I pray, and the church says, "Amen, God is good. God is good. And, and, and if you maybe don't know that, or maybe you question that, I'm okay with that. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're watching. But the reason you might not know that, or the reason you might not believe that is because you don't know him. Like, like I finally know him, and others maybe know him. God loves you. Like, he is good. Even, even in the bad things that are happening to you, God wants to use them. He don't cause them. God didn't, God didn't cause me to become a drug addict. I did that on my own. I, I'll, I figured that out on my own. That's how good I am. God, in his miraculous sovereignty, used it to, to catapult me to salvation, to ministry. I, I love it. I was rehearsing earlier, praying over this and praying over you, and I thought, God took me from mini- misery to ministry. God wants to take you from mi- minist- misery to ministry. I'm not saying it's got to be full-time, but if you're saved, you're a minister. You are you an are ambassador. You are a representative And God wants to use you. God is good. And when we talk about purpose being birthed out of pain, God's purpose for our life for salvation was birthed out of pain of us rebelling against Him. So He sends Jesus. And if anybody is familiar with a dose of cod liver oil, it is Jesus. He drank more than anybody else. And He drank it for you, not for His own goodness, He's already good, but that He might make you healthy. You know what we've drank? You know what you drank and I drank? Poison. That's what we drink every day. In our decisions, in our thoughts, in our sinful nature. I, I do too. I'm not pointing a finger at you. I do too. Got poison in our veins. We've got poison. every since the rebellion against God in Genesis 3, we've been drinking this poison and somehow thinking it's going to do good effects for us like fish oil would do. No, no, no. It's killing you. So God sends Jesus and says, Jesus, you're loaded up on the good stuff. They need it because they're dying and they're dead. Jesus, you're, they're, they have a, a disease and you're the cure. You're it. Christ is the only thing, that, only one who can save you. So God sends Jesus and Jesus, you want to talk pain and purpose being birthed out of pain? Nobody experienced more pain than him. Now, I'm not just talking about the cross. I mean... That guy was, I mean, they're, he's being ridiculed, laughed at. His best friends betray him, deny him. And all he does is say, I love you. I love you. You're, you're, you got poison in you. I need to cure you, please. In fact, you know what? I'll die for you. I'll die that you might have the cure. Like, I will die a painful death that you might eradicate yourself from what you've done to yourself. So that's what Jesus does, regardless of how much poison you have, regardless of where the poison came from, you've got it. And Jesus says, I'll take it from you if you let me. So, so Jesus, if you don't know the story, Jesus would die on a cross, bleed, and die so that you might live. So that you might live. So that you might have the poison gone from your body, and you might be filled, not with poison, but with Holy Spirit power. Power. That's what God wants to do in you today. There is no change without Him in you. This this, this series is worthless. If I if I can't truly get you get uh, not convinced but encourage you to sell out to Jesus, you can you can read all the self help books you want, the Oprah, Tony Robbins. I don't. It will do nothing. And if it does anything, it'll be temporal. Promise you. Without Christ in you, there it. Nothing else matters. So Jesus dies on a cross. And here's what I love, because Jesus, so he's dead, and they think hope is all gone, but it's not. Go back to the the girl that died. Remember Jairus' daughter? Remember Luke 8? She's dead. Do you remember when Jesus walks in with his purpose group, Peter, James, and John, and mom and dad? Remember, Remember the mourners and the weepers? Remember what they did? They laughed at Jesus. They're like, dude, you're an idiot. I mean, sleeping, she's dead, Moron, what are you thinking? And they laugh at him. And I thought about that. And I thought to myself, you know, the mourners fail to realize something. That the person that they were laughing at and the person that they were mocking, see, he wasn't just speaking about a resurrection. Like, he is the resurrection. He is the life. Three days after he was dead, he was alive. He brought himself back to life. I'm telling you, he wants to disrupt you to get you to change. And it it is disrupting to sell out to Jesus because he'll change your life if you let him. Call on his name. Ask Christ to save you. Ask him to enter into you. Tell him you're messed up. He already knows it, and so do we. I'm jacked up. I'm dead in places. Forgive me. Make me new. Holy Spirit, enter into me. I'm desperate, and I am dead, and I am poisoned, and I need you. Sell out to that. Pray that over yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to enter into you. Repent. Turn. He'll, He'll help you with that but you got to do it in accordance with His Holy Spirit. I believe there are people here today that you want to give up. You're discouraged and you're desperate. That's why God brought you to this message, by the way. And you're in places that are hard, and you're in places, and I'm not denying they're hard, they are. And you're in places where you don't know what to do, and you're at your wit's end in many different areas, or maybe one big area of your life. And I came to tell you, it is in times of discomfort that I realized in my life that I can't do life alone. And that's what God will compel you to do is, well, he brought you in a room full of people. Why? Because you were never made to do life alone. That's why we want to pray with you and for you. That's why we want to love you and hear your story. That's why we want you to sign up for a group or, or whatever God leads you to do to get you in connection with others. Is it discomfortable? Discomfortable, that's a new word. Is it uncomfortable? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. God loves you. Isn't that a weird statement I said? That I don't know that I would be saved. I think God would have, if I wasn't a drug addict, I think God would have found another way to get me really uncomfortable because that's what it would take for me. And that's what it takes for a lot of you too. You came to Christ or maybe you're here today because you're going through a, a trial or a struggle. God doesn't cause it. We do that on ourselves. The world does that. People do that. God wants to use it. Comfort is the enemy of progress. God wants you to have progress. God wants you to have new life in him. I want to pray for you. Father, discomfort is all over your word. It, it, in fact, it's all, we can find that in almost every story we read. And it's crazy because nobody would wish it upon themselves. The woman would do anything not to be bleeding. The man would have done anything not to have his daughter dying. But but here's what I know in both those instances, don't miss this. In both of those cases, they brought Jairus, they brought the woman to the feet of Jesus. See, God will allow things to get you close to Him, because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Your job, it will be gone eventually. Your money, it will be gone eventually. Your house, your your vacation, your car, everything will be gone. And all that will matter is you and Jesus and what you did with Him. So Jesus loves us so much that He'll allow us to get uncomfortable so we can get to the comforter and He can make us new. And He can have a work. And He can do a work. Father, Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he would die and rise for us. Our good works don't save us. They actually are proof that we're saved, right? They come after salvation. That's faith working itself out, or good deeds working itself out through faith. But it starts with faith in a king, a dead king on a cross, while we're full of poison. And if we call on his name and ask him to come into us and enter us and make us new, forgive us of our sins, that he will do it. I, I, take it from a drug, drug addict who was dead. <laughs> I, you can't get more dead other than being in the ground. Jesus, will you have your way today? There are people here that they'll be compelled to leave after maybe we worship together in song. I, I, I pray through discomfort they'll stay that they'll pray with a prayer team member, that they'll pray with somebody next to them, that they'll share a burden going on because that's why we're here, to carry each other's burdens and love each other. That they would go to the prayer room maybe for private prayer, just maybe taking communion in the prayer room where it's available all the time. Whatever it is, somebody maybe needs to stay after for garden prayer room, after services and just come here, lay on the stage and just take you in. Whatever it is, God, I just... Holy Spirit, show us our next step by your power and, and help us be obedient to do what it is. If we do, it will change us. It's, life change is not easy. That's why most people never really experience it the way they want. Because there are ingredients, and one of them is discomfort. God, I pray that through the discomfort that you're going to show us or that maybe we need to step into, that we'll be obedient to do it. And, and if we do, we'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, I, I pray. And the church says, Amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today, but don't stop there. Like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend or somebody that you know. So many people out there need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring that to them. Finally, if you're in the Omaha area, we would love to have you join us. We would love to meet you. God bless you.